We'll start at verse 1. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand, follow along with us. We're going to cover chapters 18 and 19. We'll see if we can get into chapter 20 tonight. Second Chronicles and the Old Testament as we continue our through the Bible on Wednesday night. As I mentioned to you after service, there is those root beer floats. The coffee shop staff wanted me to let you know that. 25 cents, so stick around if you can, have a root beer float. Also, um, we have coming up on Sunday our uh, morning services, uh, 8.30 and 10.30, as we continue in the book of Acts. And we see that Paul's in Jerusalem. He's been arrested, wrongly accused of taking Gentiles to the temple. And we have seen the events that are unfolding as Paul gave his testimony there to the Jews at the temple as he was up on the Antonio Fortress. And um, he said that God has take, given or sent me to the Gentiles. And when he said that word Gentile, they began to riot again. So now Paul went before the Sanhedrin Council, and another riot broke out there. So it's Paul that his life is in jeopardy, as we're going to see this week, and then he's going to be taken out of Jerusalem. So be sure that you come as we uh, continue in the study of the book of Acts. You remember that it was the Lord that said that you have testified of me in Jerusalem, and now you will testify of me in Rome. And now we're going to see the events that it's going to lead Paul the Apostle to go to Rome, and that's going to end the book of Acts. When he does get to Rome, he will write the prison epistles. He's there for two years under house arrest. And, um, but in the meantime, we're going to see what leads him to going to Rome. So be sure to invite somebody as we continue in the book of Acts. Uh, also, there's some things in your bulletin. Take a look at it. I noticed that OCC, Gale, um, boxes that are available. Those are for chess. Okay. So we'll be getting boxes later. All right. So, all righty. I just want to make sure. So ours will be soon. So um, our boxes will be here soon for OCC. Also, um, on the uh, 20th, the Hayride, parents... 22nd, I believe, is the ladies 55 and over luncheon at 11.30, so ladies sign up for that. And then on the 26th is, for all the ladies, a chili dinner that's going to take place um, here at the church at 5 o'clock. That's on a Saturday, so make sure that you look at your bulletin for all the events that are coming up here at Calvary Chapel. And Larry, you guys are doing something, the adult single, this Sunday, and that is... Oh, okay, at Don's house, football party. So, Don, you, is that new to you? or <laughs> Just the way you looked over there, okay. <laughs> we better get to our study. Lord, we just ask that you bless this time in the study of your word. And, and I thank you for the opportunities that we have to gather in fellowship, and whether it's large groups or small groups. And, and Lord, we're just so very thankful for um, this church family and for us to be able to gather in the middle of the week and now hear from you and I also just want to um, just express a thanks for the worship that we had tonight and and Lord now to open up our Bibles and to hear from you and uh, may we be a people that are teachable and just desiring to hear um, from you and and make application as we see the implication of what's going on in the text And Lord, I do also pray that we would be ones that right now that our hearts are soft before you and and humbled because that is a heart that is teachable. We give you this time. Lord, I pray we'd be free from distractions. We would remember to turn off the ringers on our phones. um, And we just want to uh, be focused on you and what you're saying to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. 
One of the things I really appreciate about the Bible is particularly as we go through the Old Testament and we're going through the lives of these kings, we see that um, the, the men of faith that, that God used in a mighty way, such as David, he's a good example. We see why David was a man after God's own heart. The Bible uh, shows us that David was a worshiper. He, he loved the word of God. He led a life that he desired to please the Lord in so many ways, and we've seen that very clearly, as particularly we went through First Chronicles, because the books of First and Second Chronicles has an emphasis on the spiritual life of these kings. But we also know that David was one who sinned as well. And the Bible is very honest about uh, the failings and the shortcomings and the sins of the men, men of faith that God used in a powerful way. It is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that Paul was talking about the examples that are for us in the Old Testament. And, and these are examples and these uh, recordings of the life of these men are given to us so that we can learn how it is that uh, these guys please God. And we can see that's the case definitely with Jehoshaphat as we're going to be looking at Jehoshaphat's reign here in our text here tonight. But also the, the scripture is very honest about their shortcomings or their sins, their compromise as well. And that is written for us so we can learn what not to do. So the warnings are given to us. This is recorded for you, not just for a history lesson, but also that we can make application. Don't go in this direction. Don't make these decisions. Don't get involved in, in this sin because there will be terrible repercussions and consequences that will happen as a result of it. And it's a loving Father that desires for you and I to know that when we are in disobedience or in compromise, there's going to be rotten fruit that's going to be produced. But when we walk in the ways of the Lord, and when we seek Him, and we have a loyal heart towards Him, then good fruit is going to be produced. So that's one of the things that we see. And of course, there was Asa, that he was the king of Judah. He is the father of Jehoshaphat. And you recall that Asa, that he was one that he trusted in the Lord. He was loyal to the Lord, as it says. And there was a million-man army coming against Asa, and Asa cried out to the Lord. And the Lord delivered Asa, and Asa was one that he made uh, the nation uh, have a covenant with the Lord that we're going to follow after you. And Asa was a godly king. There was rest in the land for 35 years. And then finally something happened. And the Bible records a compromise in Asa's life. And we see that as this, uh, this trouble would come to Judah by the hands of the house of Israel. And recall that in the 36th year of the reign of Asa. It was the king of Israel that uh, made this blockade just north of Jerusalem. And he wasn't allowing people to come down and trade was stopped. It was an act of war. So what Asa did, instead of relying on the Lord and going to the Lord, he took the gold and the silver out of the treasuries of the house of the Lord and sent them to the king of Syria, who was a pagan king, an evil king, and he made a plan. He said, king of Syria, which was Ben-Hadad, I want you to attack Israel to the north, and then it's going to be Beasa, the king of Israel, who's going to have to take 
take all his troops and go up there and fight you. And, and I'll pay you off for that. And it worked. It was a brilliant plan. But then the prophet came to uh, Asa, and the prophet Anani, he comes and he says that, Asa, you have done wrong in yoking yourself, aligning yourself with this evil king, and you did not seek the Lord. You know that the Lord could deliver you. You know that the Lord could help. You saw that with the previous situation 35 years ago where God delivered you from that million-man army of the Ethiopians. But yet you made your disalignment with this evil king. And the eyes of the Lord go to and fro across the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal towards him. May we always remember that the Lord desires for us to look to him, to be loyal towards him, and as we are, that he's going to show himself strong on our behalf. Oftentimes in our lives, we think, how can I get out of this mess? How can I, you know, uh, come up with a plan? And if we are smart enough, resourceful enough, intelligent enough, uh, bold enough, we will try to get out of certain situations rather than going to the Lord and seeking His Word and in prayer and seeing what it is that the Lord would want us to do. Well, Asa, you know, that he is one, that he got upset. He threw the prophet in jail and and then he ended up uh, ending his life not in a good way he got diseased in his feet he wasn't seeking the lord he was being harsh on the people then comes jehoshaphat and jehoshaphat as we saw last time he's a good king and he was one that he feared the lord and he was loyal to the lord and he took delight in the ways of the lord is what the scripture says and he removed the high places and the wooden images from judah and what he did was he took the levites and the priests and he sent them out throughout the cities of judah to teach them the word of god so jehoshaphat was a great king loyal to god uh, really desired to please the lord and he made sure that the nation that they were firmly established in the word of the lord and that really was their strength even though Jehoshaphat had fortified some of the cities to protect them from a military invasion, their real strength was in the fact that they were following after the Lord and that they feared the Lord. But we see as we open up chapter 18 that Jehoshaphat, once again, there's going to be compromise that the scripture is going to record for us in his life that's going to really have a negative effect on him and on the nation. And we're going to learn from it. As we read in chapter 18, verse 1 of Second Chronicles, Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance, and by marriage he allied himself with Ahab. Now, here is Jehoshaphat, one who is a believer. And what he does now in chapter 18 is he makes this unwise alliance with Ahab. And you might remember Ahab. I'm sure that a lot of you do in 1 Kings. He was a terrible king. He was one of the worst kings that Israel had. And, of course, all of the kings of Israel, when they would split away from the house of Judah... Uh, during the reign of Rehoboam that we just covered not long ago, there were 19 kings of the house of Israel. And every one of those kings were bad kings. They were idol worshipers. But Ahab here was one of the worst. And he plunged the nation deep into Baal worship. Matter of fact, he was responsible 
for uh, Baal worship that uh, would plague the nation. They had all these false prophets to Baal. And he had a wife that was named Jezebel. And Jezebel was evil as well. So this demonic duo is ruling over the house of Israel, the ten northern tribes at this time. And they were ones that were violent. Uh, We know that Jezebel, that she was really kind of the power to the throne. Uh, She was one that was violent. She killed some of the sons of the uh, prophets um, that believed in the Lord. And she also tried to kill Elijah. You recall that Elijah called down fire from heaven there in 1 Kings chapters 18 and 19 as you go into that text. And uh, it was after that great victory that Elijah had in calling down fire from heaven there on Mount Carmel that he slew the prophets of Baal. And then word came to him the next day that from Jezebel that Elijah, that the queen Jezebel is going to lop your head off. So he ran all the way down to the Sinai Peninsula, down to the mountain of God. So here is Jezebel and Ahab. They're ruling the ten northern tribes up in the house of Israel. And for some reason, this godly king, Jehoshaphat, makes this unwise alliance. And it says that he makes it by marriage. And what is meant by that is he allows his son, Jehoram, to marry the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, her name, we're going to see in a couple chapters, is Ataliah. And Ataliah was not a nice person. She was not a nice person at all. Matter of fact, we're going to see that she follows the, the footsteps of her father and her mother. But in this, we see that there's compromise in Jehoshaphat's life. And he makes an unwise decision here. We also know that as we go um, in the New Testament, because this is a perfect illustration of what is told to us in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, that we are not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. We're not to align ourselves, yoke ourselves with, be traveling with, be joined to an unbeliever. Now, what does that mean? Not to be yoked with an unbeliever. Does that mean I can never talk to an unbeliever? Does that mean that family members and and those that I care about and love, that I can't minister to them or talk with them? No, it doesn't mean that. It means that you're not yoked with them. You're not traveling with them. Uh, You're you're not yoked with them in business ventures. And uh, perhaps that if you're single, that you're married, you know, dating an unbeliever or, or you're wanting to marry an unbeliever, being yoked together because when you do get married, you become one flesh. So that's what the Bible is warning against. Does light have fellowship with darkness? And the reason is, if you yoke yourself with an unbeliever, then it will cause compromise in your life. And as Amos says, how can two walk together if they don't agree? And there can't be real agreement when it comes to spiritual life if there is an unbeliever and a believer that is yoked together, joined together, and whatever relationship there might be, and uh, dating somebody or perhaps wanting to get married to an unbeliever or in business venture, you might think, well, this person is an unbeliever, but they're smart and they'll bring in money. But what happens when they want you to compromise your core beliefs in business? What happens when you get married and your unbelieving spouse doesn't want to raise your children in the ways of the Lord? What happens when there's compromise in the home that is contrary to the word of the Lord? So that's why the Bible is warning us. And the God doesn't warn us to to make our lives miserable. He warns us so that we can be free and have joy and we can be safe and secure. And so it's a loving father that says, listen, 
Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So Jehoshaphat, a godly king that compromised, and I believe that his intention was to bring the nation together once again. And here's something to remember. Either write it down or get it into your heart. And of course, even if you write it down, you want it in your heart. But always remember this, that you cannot accomplish God's will with compromise. You cannot accomplish God's will with compromise or with sin or that which is contrary to God and to his word. And that's what Jehoshaphat is doing. And why I believe that he wants to bring the nation together, well, verse 2, for some years he went down to visit Ahab in Samaria, got to go see the, my son's in-laws, and, and Ahab killed sheep and oxen in abundance for him, and the people who were with him and persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth-Gilead. And so Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, will you go with me against Ramoth-Gilead? And he answered him, I am as you are, and my people as your people, and we will be with you in the war. So Jehoshaphat goes to see Ahab in Israel. Ahab says, hey, Jehoshaphat, since you're here, since we're family, why don't you help me get back Ramoth-Gilead from the Syrians? Ramoth-Gilead one time belonged to the house of Israel. It was taken over by the Syrians, and also it was only about 50 miles from Jerusalem on the east side of the Jordan River. So why don't you come and, and help us? Go to war against the Syrians. And the house of Israel was always at this time doing war with, with Syria, and they were always going back and forth in these battles. So come and join us. And Jehoshaphat, his response is, sure, I'll, I'll go, and, and you know, wanting the nation to unite, and, and uh, your people are, are my people, and we're as one, and we'll join in with you. And that's why I believe that Jehoshaphat desperately desired for all of the nation to come together. So he makes this ungodly alliance. He is going to yoke himself now in battle, in war with this ungodly king Ahab. We continue in verse 4. Also Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire for the word of the Lord today. And then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men, and said to them, Shall we go to war against Ramoth-Gilead, or shall I refrain? So they said, Go up, for God will deliver it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there still not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? He wants to help out Ahab, which isn't wise, but he does seek to get godly counsel. Ahab is there a prophet of the Lord that you have in the land? Isn't there one? Ahab says, well, I got these 400 guys over here. And, and they would say to, to Ahab and Jehoshaphat, go for it. Go for it, king. You know, these guys were false prophets, of course. And they are only telling us we're going to continue through the chapter. We're going to see it very clearly. And, and that they're only telling Ahab what he wants to hear. They were only interested in pleasing the king. They were not interested in pleasing the Lord. They're ones that uh, aren't even believers of the Lord. They're involved in Baal worship and Astaroth worship. They're false prophets. So Jehoshaphat, he, he's listening to this, and he goes, I don't know about these guys. Is there a prophet of the Lord? Don't you have one that is of the Lord? The only true prophet is a prophet of the Lord. Now, we know that when Paul was writing to Timothy, that Paul would write that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demon. We know that in the last days, as we get closer to the return of the Lord, Jesus himself said that there would be many false prophets and false teachers and false Christ that would be out there. We also know that Paul would write 
that in 2 Timothy, that the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but they'll be given over to fables and myths, and they'll heap up teachers for themselves. So the scripture is clear that the time is coming when, uh, and there always has been for the last 2,000 years, those who are false prophets. And, and, but there's going to be an increase, with the scripture is indicating to us, that there's going to be desire to hear that which is false. Those who have itchy ears, what does it mean to have itchy ears? Just desiring to hear something new, something that will please them, something that will make them happy, something that is sounding good, whatever it might mean, that's an itchy ear. And unfortunately, there's more and more of that even today. And we need to be careful in the day in which we're living in. And as we get closer to the return of the Lord, I think that we're going to see more things that are false out there and more things that are being said that are contrary to what God declares in his word. And we need to test things through the word of God. Remember that John, he would say in his epistle, that test the spirits to see if they are of God, because many false Christ, antichrists have gone out into the world. And we need to be careful because there's, uh, uh, there's more and more of thus saith the Lord and then a prophecy that is going foretelling or foretelling that is not according to the word of God. If it is foretelling, then it needs to come to pass if it's a predictive sense. Well, thus saith the Lord, you know, I, I, I you know, say this is going to happen and, and it doesn't come to pass and it's not of the Lord. We're going to see that the prophet here that's going to come and prophesy what's going to happen will say that very exact thing. There are those who will come along and they will uh, foretell the word of God. And, and it's not according to what the word of God has to say to us. So we don't judge according to does it sound good? Is it pleasing to the ear? Does it tickle the ear? That's not how we judge prophecy. We judge it through the word of God. We don't judge it um, if it sounds wonderful. Uh, that's spectacular. Uh, how can you, know, you not believe that? There is going to be one that will come on the scene in the last days called the Antichrist. And one of the things that the scripture says over and over and over and over and over again repeatedly is that he's going to be a great orator and he's going to deceive the whole world and the world's going to follow him. He's going to seem to have the answers and to the world he's going to speak great things but according to God he speaks blasphemous things. And we are going to know that or those who are believers at that time are going to know that because um, they're going to be able to filter it through the Word of God. So we need to be careful because sometimes I run into Christians that will just accept anything. Anybody that says, thus saith the Lord, and I'm a prophet, and it's like, really? And I get emails at times, people that listen on the radio or whatever, and they say, I'm a prophet of God, and, and they go on, and this is what I know, and I'm going, this is not according to the Word of God. And I cannot accept you as a prophet of God. So here are these 400 guys. They're being all dramatic, and, and they're saying, go for it, king. And the king likes it, and, you know, it it's, um, sounds pleasing to him. In verse 6, Jehoshaphat says, well, let's bring in the guy who's a prophet of the Lord. In verse 7, so the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is still one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. His Micaiah, the son of Elmlah, and Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say such things. And then the king of Israel called one of his officers and said, Bring Micaiah, the son of Elmlah, quickly. 
And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, clothed with their robes, each sat on the throne, and they sat at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. Samaria is the capital of the ten northern tribes of Israel, and all the prophets prophesied before them. And so here is uh, this, the uh, one prophet of the Lord that Ahab says, I hate him because he never says anything good about me. Those who are in rebellion against God, and that's Ahab, who's not responding to the Lord, doesn't want to hear the truth of the Lord, they'll say things like that. And maybe perhaps that you've tried to witness to somebody who's in rebellion against the Lord, and they hate the message that you have to give to them. They hate being told that they need to repent and turn to Jesus, that He is their salvation. They hate to hear that they're sinners and they need to be forgiven, and Jesus is the one that has provided forgiveness. They, they hate to hear those things because they want to, to do their own thing. They don't want to answer to God. They are in rebellion against God. And, of course, I think a lot of us, we've run into people that, that we get that response of, uh, of, you know what, you never say anything good. And, you know, you, you talk about God. And we live in a society like it was in the days of the judges. I, I was given my Old Testament survey uh, lesson this week to the high school uh, class that I teach. And the theme of the book of Judges is everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And it reminds me so much of our society today. People want to do what is right in their own eyes rather than doing right in the eyes of God and wanting to, to hear from the Lord and submit to the Lord. So here is Ahab, you know, he's saying, I hate this guy. He never says anything good to me and about me or, or prophesies anything good. I want my ears to be tickled. I just want to be pleased like these 400 guys. And so verse 10, Zedekiah here, he made horns of iron for himself and said, Thus said the Lord with these, you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth, Gilead, and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. Quite a scene, a dramatic scene that's going on with these 400 guys. And, you know, one of them's, you know, got these horns and he's dancing around and saying, you're going to gore the Syrians and go for it. And, and it makes for great drama and theatrics. But it wasn't true what he was saying. And it wasn't coming from the Lord, as we're going to see that Micaiah is going to give the truth of what really is going to happen. And again, sometimes people will fall into that, you know, they'll see somebody on TV, on Christian TV, and they're just crying and the tears are coming. And, and thus saith the Lord, and he spoke to me, I had a vision that you're to give me money and you're to, to tithe. And, and so we can have this ministry that will impact the world. And, and they're just all emotional and drama and all of this. And, and people are going, oh, I got to give to them. He had a vision. I remember there was one guy on TV, and, and it, it was really sad. And it really, really upset me that he was saying, oh, I had this vision of heaven. And, and he was going on about how I saw Abraham, and he had a big golden chain, and people were swimming in the river of life, and there was all these animals everywhere. And, and it was almost, you know, really? It was a very boastful, very arrogant kind of thing. We need to be careful and then, Again, pass everything through the Word of God because I know that Paul the Apostle said that when he saw heaven, he said that words couldn't even describe it. 
It's unlawful for me to even speak about it. So I become very questionable about those things. So again, we don't judge prophecy if it just tickles our ears or if it's very emotional, dramatic, that somebody can come and, you know, and they'll start shaking or being emotional and their voice is quivering. We always got to take what they say and filter it through the Word of God. And that's where you're going to be safe and secure. So here are these guys being all dramatic and everything, and, you know, you're going to gore the Syrians in verse 12. Then a messenger who had gone to, to call Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encourage the king. Therefore, please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. Now we do know that 1 Corinthians chapter 14 tells us that prophecy is to edify and encourage and to bring comfort. That's what prophecy brings. But know this, um, as it brings that exhortation and comfort and edification to us, that oftentimes that brings correction as well. Um, correction out of love and a desire for people to do well in the ways of the Lord. And, and there is this mentality here given to the prophet. You need to be with one accord and you need to just please the king. He just wants to hear that he's going to have victory. You need to, to puff him up and lift him up in that way as well, even though it's not true. Who cares if it's true? Just as long as it pleases the king. And unfortunately, there are more uh, and more behind the pulpit that they just want to say those things that are going to, to just be happy messages or please the people or tickle the ears rather than be more concerned about truth. I'm all for happy messages, but I also know that as we go through the Word of God, that there's going to be warnings and there's going to be, you know, those things and subjects and, and principles and commandments that are given to us that aren't always easy to hear, but are necessary to hear. And so that's one of the things about going through the Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse. I can't skip over those things that aren't always fun to talk about or discuss. So only say what the king will like, and, and you better cooperate. In verse 13, Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, whatever my God says that, I will speak. It's a good verse to underline. You see, when you talk to those who want advice or look for counsel, those are wondering, what would you do in this situation? Oh, what should I do? Where should I go? What direction? That you give them what God has to say in his word. And as you do, you're going to be giving them truth. You see, the world's advice changes all the time. Uh, the world's advice is not necessarily true. There may be some truth to it. But you see, as you give them God's word, and that's one of the things that I try to do, uh, Jesus did that. You remember, and as a lot of you know, um, as you look and read the gospel narratives, that it was the religious leaders that would come to Jesus and try to trap him and back him into a corner and, and trick him with these tough questions. And Jesus oftentimes responded by how? He would say, have you not read? Is it not written? And he would give them scripture. And a good way to counsel people and give them advice is to give them God's Word. And that's why it's important that you continue to grow in the Word of God. And I commend you for coming out and, and being able to come here and, and study the Word of God with us because you can say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to tell you a story of Bible that I learned from, from Asaph, from Jehoshaphat, from David, from the men of faith. And you can give those, those illustrations and then the principles from the New Testament. And you can really minister to people in that way. 
rather than just giving your opinions or this is what Ofri said on her show or whatever it might be, give them the Word of God. If you really want to help them, give them the Word of God because He's our counselor and His ways are true and right. So he says, I'm going to say what God wants me to say. That's what I do. And verse 14, then he came to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And he said, go and prosper, and they shall be delivered into your hand. So the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but truth in the name of the Lord? So somehow here, Micaiah is being sarcastic, isn't he? Shall we go to war, or shall I refrain? Go ahead, go ahead. Go to war. Go to war. And it is Ahab that, because of the tone of his voice, sarcasm, he knows he's not telling the truth. He says, okay, how many times have I told you to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? So this is what he says now in verse 16. I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as the sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil? I told you. You see, here's Micaiah. He, I don't think he ever read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. <laughs> and when you give the truth of God's word to people, you won't always influence them or win friends, but you're going to show love and giving them the truth. And that's where you're going to really help them if they will humble themselves and receive it. He says, Ahab, okay, you want to know the truth? Here it is. That the people, your people are going to be scattered and they're going to be defeated. And Ahab, you're a dead man. And we're going to see that he's going to reiterate that as we continue reading here. It's not good, Ahab. Now, at this time, Ahab had a choice to make. Whether he was going to heed what the prophet had to say or ignore it. Is he going to listen to that which is false and only tickles his ears? These guys being all dramatic. We're going to gore the Syrians, go up against them. Or here is Micaiah that says, the Lord declares this. That the people of Israel are going to be scattered like sheep without a shepherd. Because they're not going to have the shepherd you. Because you're going to die, Ahab. And he had a choice to make whether he was going to receive it or reject it. I want to bring it home a little bit closer to us tonight. When we hear the word of the God, are we going to accept it or are we going to reject it? I've had people that I've talked to and scores and scores of people over my years of ministry. And I'll say, this is what the word of God has to say concerning your situation or your circumstance. And I've had people look at me and say, well, that doesn't work for me. Well, I heard this advice over here. I think I'll take that advice, which is contrary to what the Word of God says. Or, you know, I think I'll go a different way. And my hope and prayer for all of us here tonight that is when we hear the Word of God that we would know that it's true and for us. And that's what I love about the Word of God because I know that I can stand on it and it's true for my life, and it doesn't change. And the world's philosophy and the world's advice changes constantly. 
And it's very deceptive. And Paul said that if you go after the world's philosophy and traditions of men, that you're going to be cheated. If you're going to go after that, that which is not in Christ, because in Christ is hidden all the wisdom of knowledge, uh, is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And if you want to, to have that treasure of wisdom and knowledge in your life, in every area of your life, go to Christ and the words of Christ. And I'm afraid, church, that that is being diminished in the church at large that we are seeing. A lot of philosophy and motivational speakers. And, and listen, I don't like to have a critical spirit, but I am seeing it to where we just want to have happy messages. We don't want to talk about sin. We don't want to talk about repenting. And I just can't emphasize enough how refreshing it is and how liberating it is when God comes along and tells us to repent. He tells us that we can come to Him and we can confess our sins. We can humble ourselves. And and we are benefited and blessed as we do that. And I don't want to hold back from that. That God loves you so much and He loves me. He wants the very best for us. And so it's like the Lord is saying, please stay away from sin. Please be careful what you're listening to. Listen to me because I am truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And my words, He would say, are spirit and life. And so if you want to really be spirit-filled and really have life in you, then you're going to be a man or woman of the Word of God, not only that's in your head, but in your heart being worked out in your life. And so here is a man that's going to reject what the Word has to say to him. And what my prayer is, is that when we hear clearly the commands, the principles uh, of, the, of the Lord given to us, and we say, oh, I don't know if I like that, or that isn't easy. Lord, how's it going to work that we would trust the Lord that His Word is true and He'll be faithful to His Word? And that's where we're going to be strong in faith and knowing this, that He is able to perform what it is that He's promised to us. So we can say, yes, Lord, okay, you've told me to forgive. That's going to be hard in this situation, so Lord, help me. And the wonderful thing about being a Christian is is that when He commands us to do something, then He'll enable us to do it through the Holy Spirit. Because we can't do it on our own. And when we humble ourselves and say, Lord, okay, I receive what you say. Lord, help me to forgive or get rid of this sin. I don't want to be in bondage. I don't want to be deceived. I, I don't want to go down a road that I know is not true. Lord, I want to do what it is that you've called me to do and be loyal to you. So we're going to see that Ahab is going to reject that, but Micaiah is not through here. He said in verse 18, that therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who will persuade Ahab, king of Israel, to go up that he may fall at Ramoth-Gilead? So one spoke in this manner, and another spoke in that manner. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, In what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, You shall persuade him and also prevail and go out and do so. And therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these prophets of yours. And the Lord has declared disaster 
against you. So this inspiration behind these 400 prophets, of course, are demonic spirits, fallen spirits, and this heavenly scene that's described to us. We see that it is these demonic spirits that are going to be the line words to these false prophets, and any time there's false prophets or false Christs or, or antichrists that are out there, there's a demonic influence that's behind it. In verse 23, then Zedekiah, he went near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, which way did the Spirit of the Lord go from me to speak to you? So he's persecuted, just as the prophets of the Old Testament were persecuted. Just as we saw Paul, remember on Sunday as he's standing before the religious council, that it was the high priest that ordered that he be struck in the mouth, and Paul was struck. And I just want to say this, that as you're committed to the word of the Lord and committed to giving the word of the Lord to others, that you're going to be struck. Oh, you may not be struck physically, but there are going to be those who are going to come against you and strike you with harsh words. They're going to strike you with, with you know, gossiping about you or slander or coming against you in some way. And folks, listen, I think it's going to get harder as we do get closer to the return of the Lord in the days in which we are living in, as we see in our society the decline spiritually and morally that people are so wanting to and, and, and rushing towards that which is dark and deceptive and evil, that as you and I stand for light and for righteousness and what is true, that there are going to be those that will strike you and they're going to come against you and I. And it takes real courage to stand for the truth of God's word in the days in which we're living in. And what my prayer is regularly as I pray for the people and for the families here at Calvary Chapel is that you'll be strong and of good courage, just as Joshua was told. Joshua, be strong and of good courage. He was told that three times by the Lord in Joshua chapter 1. And he also was told that if you want to be successful and prosperous, then you meditate on the word of God day and night. May you and I meditate on the Word of God day and night and knowing that in God's eyes, that's where you're going to be prosperous and successful. And be strong and good courage, all right? Be strong and of good courage. And then I'll add this as a little addendum to that. At the end of chapter 1 of Joshua, it was the people that came to him and said, we are going to follow after you, Joshua, just as we did Moses, but we ask you of one thing, and that is you be strong and of good courage. And parents, grandparents, those of you who are ministering to others, there are those that you minister to, whether it's your children, your grandchildren, or whether it's youth, or whether it's small group, they need you, listen, to be strong and of good courage. That you're going to be strong and courageous enough to where you're going to give them this, the Word of God to them. And you're going to give it to them as you minister to them, and that's where you're going to really help them. They need you to be strong and of good courage. Joshua will follow you, but we want you to be a man of faith. And Joshua was, and a man of the word. And at the end of his life, Joshua would say to the people, as you know, they were beginning to you know, worship false idols and all of this that was going on, he would say to them, Choose this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We are going to serve the Lord and be dedicated and loyal to Him. 
And may that be our hearts, mom and dads, to all of us who have opportunity to minister to others, that we stand firm in saying, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, we're going to be loyal to the Lord, and we're going to give the word of the Lord to others. And we're going to meditate it on day and night, and that's what's going to direct our lives. And you will need courage in doing that in the day in which we're living in. So he struck, and then verse 24, And Micaiah said, Indeed, you shall see me on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide. And then the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and return him to Amnon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son. And say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him with bread of affliction and water of affliction until I return in peace. And Micaiah said, If you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, Take heed, all you people. So Micaiah says, Listen, if you come back, Ahab, then I didn't speak the words of the Lord. I'm a false prophet. The qualifications of a prophet or prophecy is it has to be 100% accurate, not 90% accurate, not 75% accurate or 50% accurate. When somebody dares to say, Thus saith the Lord, and they go and they foretell something that is prophetic, uh, you know, that's still future, making a prediction of some sort, if it doesn't come to pass, then the Lord didn't speak to them. You see, either they made a mistake or the Lord made a mistake. And the Lord doesn't make mistakes, okay? So the Lord didn't speak to them. And the reason I'm saying that again is because over the years, I've heard some thus save the Lord and they'll predict something in a predictive kind of way and it doesn't come to pass. Well, what happened? Well, you know, Lord changed his mind. No, you predicted it very clearly. So that is the qualification of a prophet, we know clear back in the book of Deuteronomy, was they had to be 100% accurate. God's word, that's the wonderful thing about prophecy here in this Bible. Every dot and tittle will be fulfilled. And all the prophecies that spoke of Jesus' first coming were fulfilled to the letter. 100%. And it's amazing to be able to see that. That God knows the beginning from the end, truly. And that's why He's able to speak through holy men um, by the Holy Spirit um, as he gives prophecy. So here is uh, Micaiah that says, if you come back, Ahab, the Lord didn't speak uh, through me. Um, I didn't speak truly of the Lord. In verse 28, so the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramah Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you put on your robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself, and they went into battle. Now, Jehoshaphat is a godly king. We're going to see in the next chapter. I was hoping to get to the next chapter here tonight, but we're not going to get there. <clears throat> but Jehoshaphat had godly wisdom, and we're going to see that he's going to set up judges in the land, and he's going to kind of set up a supreme court, and he's going to tell the judges to, you know, judge according to the Lord and his ways and, and fearing the Lord, not man. And they'll take bribes and, and just a man of great integrity, uh, a man who desired for the nation to, to be pleasing to the Lord and how they not only ceremonially how they did things and religiously, but also their civil laws as well. They judge according to the ways of the Lord. But for the life of me... He's kind of, Jehoshaphat is a little bit of an enigma to me. Why, after hearing this prophecy, 
that, you know what, Ahab, you're a dead man, and the sheep are going to be scattered, and you guys are going to lose big time. And Ahab turns to him and says, um, you know, I'm not going to wear my, you know, kingly robes. You leave yours on, Jehoshaphat, and I'm going to disguise myself, and let's go out to battle. And Jehoshaphat says, okay, <laughs> let's go ahead and do that. You know, and while you're at it, why don't you just put a big target on my back here, Ahab? Why would he do that? The only thing that perhaps that I can think of is that he wanted this alliance so bad that he was willing to make foolish decisions. Sometimes when we want something so bad, maybe it's a relationship with somebody that you want to yoke yourself with, that you know what the Word of God has to say. Don't be yoked together with an unbeliever. Or you want to do business so bad with this person that you see that they're bringing in money, that you want something, that you begin to compromise, and what that compromise does is it brings foolish decisions that you end up making. And all of us need to be careful. Hey, I I see that there may be something good that happens here, but it's not of the Lord. And it's a foolish decision. So we need to always make sure that, Lord, I want to be one that I want to be wise. And being wise, of course, is doing it the way that God says. And when God says something, we can't say, oh, don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. Well, I'm an exception to that. I'm going to go ahead and yoke myself with this, these guys in this business venture, even though, you know, all I can think of is going to be good for my family and we're going to be able to maybe pay the bills and the ships are going to come, you know, the money's going to come in. We're going to see Jehoshaphat's going to link himself up with another king of Israel with these ships going to Ophir trying to bring back all, you know, this gold and everything and the ships end up sinking. He thought his ship would come in. His ship ended up sinking. And that's what will happen to us spiritually. Again, that if there's compromise, you're never going to accomplish God's will. And it will end up blinding you and you making foolish decisions. So be careful. We all need to be careful in that because we want something so bad. So the king of Syria had commanded the captains of the chariots who were with him, saying, Fight with no small or great, but only with the king of Israel. Verse 31, so it was when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, it is the king of Israel, therefore they surrounded him to attack. But Jehoshaphat cried out, and the Lord helped him, and God diverted them from him. And so it was when the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel, that they turned back from pursuing him. Now a certain man drew a bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. So he said to the drivers of his chariots, turn around, take me out of the battle, for I am wounded. And the battle increased that day, and the king of Israel propped himself up in his chariots, facing the Syrians until evening, to about the time of sunset he died. Just as Micaiah said would happen. The Syrians defeat the house of Israel. Jehoshaphat listened. Because of the grace of God, he was able to escape. As the Syrians surrounded him, and he's got his priestly robe, there's the king of Israel, and he cried out to the Lord, and they ended up leaving. God protected him. I am so thankful. I know in my life, when I've done really dumb things, that God out of his grace has protected me. But we can learn from tonight about the incredible grace of God, but also this. Don't be testing God. 
We're not to test him or tempt him, but to be obedient to him. And when Jehoshaphat goes back to Jerusalem, he's going to get rebuked. And we're going to see that Jehoshaphat is going to hear the words of the prophet say, you acted foolishly. And we're going to see that there was repercussions in the nation because of it, because it's his compromise. Listen, when we compromise in sin, it not only affects us, but it affects the people around us that we love and we minister to. And we always need to remember that there's a whole lot of people that can end up experiencing some of the consequences that you're going through, the repercussions, or just the negative effects because of your compromise, mom and dads. You who have opportunity to minister to others, bosses, owners of business, ministry leaders, it's not just about you, it's not just about me. It's about being a blessing to others as we lead and as we guide and as we teach and as we minister to them. So don't get in that compromising mode. May we follow after the Lord in everything. And if the Lord is speaking to you tonight about something, maybe there's some compromise or sin, give it to the Lord tonight. And be free tonight. He wants to liberate you and free you. And say, Lord, I want to do what is right and good in your sight. As Father, we come to you. And we learn from Jehoshaphat. He was a man that, that loved you and he desired to honor you, but there was compromise in this area of aligning himself with Ahab, a wicked king. And it almost cost him his life. We're going to see that next time that the nation backslid because of it, And Lord, that even though your mercy, your hand of mercy is there, just as your hand of mercy comes to us so oftentimes, I know that I can think about how things could have been worse, but because you were working. But Lord, we also know that whatever a man sows, so shall he reap as well. And none of us are exempt from that. So Father, what my prayer is for all of us, that our hearts would be loyal to you and desiring to just follow after you in every area of our lives. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness and your love. Father, I pray by chance if there's anybody even here tonight that they don't even know if they got a relationship with you. They've never really surrendered their life to you. That coming to the Lord and desiring to please Him is a work of the Spirit. It begins by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. As Jesus said, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So if there is anybody here listening to this message that you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ in a personal relationship for salvation and forgiveness, that He is your salvation. There's none other. He hung on a cross for you, for all of us, because all of us are sinners. We've fallen short of the glory of God. 
And when Jesus cried out from the cross, it is finished, he was saying that I paid the price for your sins as he bore your sins upon himself. And then when he died on the cross, he was put into a grave and he rose again after three days and he's alive. And now he wants to live in your heart as you come in faith, trusting in him for salvation and forgiveness of sin. And it comes by just right where you're sitting, praying, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my personal Lord and Savior. I confess that I am a sinner and I now turn to you and I surrender my life to you. My life is not my own anymore. I want you to be the Lord over all my life and you are my Savior. Forgive me, and I believe that you're alive, knocking on the door of my heart, and I now let you in. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. And for us as Christians here tonight, Lord, help us to be men and women of the word, of wisdom, that we want to have a loyal heart towards you. And if there's any compromise Right now, will you just give it to the Lord? If there's any sin, the Lord's dealing with you. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's something that you've been watching and sitting things before your eyes that are dark and evil. Maybe it's places where you're hanging out. Maybe how you're doing business, maybe how you're treating an individual, maybe it's in a relationship that you know that the Lord's been dealing with you about. Well, you know that the Lord wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. He wants to free you. He wants you to be secure and safe. So give it to the Lord and confess it and then trust in Him. If we can trust Him with our salvation, we can surely trust Him with our lives and what he says to us and how to live. Go to the Lord. He knows it. You can't hide it from him. And ask for the Lord's help. Because he's a very present help. And he desires to help you. Maybe you're here tonight and you're just broken hearted and you have need. Lord, I pray that you bring comfort to those who need comforting. And maybe you're here, you need direction and in some area of your life. Lord, would you give direction to those, speak to those who need that tonight, that wisdom, that direction, to hear your voice saying, this is the way, as we go to you in confidence and strength. And Lord, knowing that you will guide us as we go to you, the counselor, the wonderful counselor. Lord, for those who need just a special touch of, of comfort and healing, because they're hurting for whatever reason. That you're the comforter, you're the healer. Those who need provision, those who are wondering, Lord, how am I going to be able to meet the bills and feed the kids? And how am I going to get to work? The car broke down. Lord, that you would work. And Lord, that you would show yourself strong on behalf of your people. And we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your love. 
We thank you for your incredible grace in our lives. And Lord, I pray that we would leave here with great joy, trusting and resting in your love. Bless everyone here now as we leave. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.